I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, or 1, 18, excuse me. Matthew 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. Think about that for a moment. Look at it again. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. I mean, in verse 18, Matthew, the gospel writer, unveils one of the greatest moments, if not the greatest moment, in human history. I mean, it's the moment when God came near. Matthew's words, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about, are more than just the record of an historical event. It's the record of a supernatural event. It's the reality of a supernatural event. And as I was reading this, I realized it's so easy for me, and it's probably so easy for you, people that have become so familiar with the Christmas nativity story that we just gloss over these words of the writer and miss the magnitude of what's actually taking place. I mean, God is coming near. God in the person of his son steps into our time, into our skin, into our town, into our way of life. I mean, this Jesus, Paul describes him who being in very nature God, positioned in glory, surrounded by myriads of angels who needs nothing, has everything, voluntarily chooses to come to us. He takes on man's skin and the nature of a servant. I mean, this is the birth of Jesus Christ. This is God coming near. Paul talks of this Jesus in Colossians, and he says, this Jesus, he created everything. Now, what he created, it was created for him. And this Jesus, he leads the church, and he is the supreme authority over everything every authority, over every power, and he comes in bodily form. This is the birth of Jesus Christ. This is how it came about. This is God coming near. John describes this Jesus as the word in John chapter 1, and he says this. He says, this word, this word was in the beginning, and this word was with God, and he's with God because he is God. And in this word, there's life. And in this word, there's light. And this word becomes flesh. I mean, do we really grasp that? I mean, this is the birth of Jesus Christ. I mean, this God who's wrapped in light, this God who's wrapped in life comes and dwells among us. He comes down and makes our home his home. I mean, in a sense, God becomes a missionary. God becoming flesh. Think about that. Let me tell you about flesh. I've experienced the pain of flesh. 
When I was in seventh grade, one of the things that we would do during the winter is my dad and myself would get together. We'd play some basketball uh, with some of the guys from church, their dads and, and, and their sons. And we would get together and we'd just go to this gym and, and we'd just start playing ball. And it was a time in my life when I was in seventh grade when I had lovely braces. And, and, it, and that can be a really good time in your life. It can be. And, um, but this time, for me, it was not good. We were playing basketball, and, uh, and I was running down the court, and the guy was bringing up the ball, and he proceeded to just drill a pass to me. I had no idea that he was drilling a pass to me until he realizes that he had passed the ball to me, and I didn't realize that I was getting past the ball to me. And at the last minute, I'm sure it wasn't on purpose, he goes, Mark! Natural response, what? That thing just clocked me in the teeth. It, it hurt badly, <laughs> okay? It, I mean, it, it hurt badly. And, and what happened in that moment was the force of the ball pressed up against the flesh of my mouth, which then the inside flesh of my mouth pressed up against my braces, which then the metal of my braces proceeded to rip open the inside of my mouth. And there was blood. There was. There was blood. And also there was little strings of flesh hanging down inside my mouth. That's flesh. God became that. You see, flesh feels pain. Flesh tears. Flesh rips. Flesh can feel the pain of nails. And flesh bleeds. And God became that. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. This big, huge, supreme creator, all-knowing, all-seeing, all-loving God puts skin on. He comes to us. Do you realize that? And that's grace, that this God comes to us because we could never on our own come to him, ever. Because in our sin, we could never come to him. So he comes to us. God came near. And we cannot miss the huge love and humility of God intertwined in Matthew's words here in verse 18. You see, the birth of Jesus Christ, Christmas, is about presence. It is. P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. Christmas is about his presence. God came near. God came near. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. And tonight we begin a two-part series entitled God Came Near. We're going to look more closely at Matthew's words and we're going to discover from his words some important discoveries about this God. And as we make these discoveries about God, we're going to walk away with lessons for us, lessons of hope and encouragement. So look with me further at verses 18 through 21. Matthew says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, 
did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He could have had her stoned by Jewish law. He had in mind to divorce her quietly, another option. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. I mean, as we continue reading Matthew, Matthew describes the way God came near. He tells us that God was to become a baby. My mind, that's hard for my mind to grasp. But it's true. God, through the person of his spirit, would form the person of his son inside a teenage girl's womb. I mean, this big, huge God who needs nothing becomes a baby who needs everything. Think about that. Pause. Grab that. This big, huge God who needs nothing becomes a baby who needs everything. Incredible. That's grace. He'd have an adopted dad named Joseph. His mom would be a virgin teenager, an unwed mother named Mary, and his family, brothers, friends, schoolmates, they'd all call him Jesus. I mean, this is God we're talking about. This is how the birth of Jesus, came, Jesus Christ came about. Why? Why would God come near this way? Why would he do this, Matthew tells us. Let's keep reading. Verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. In verse 22, Matthew lays out the purpose for what he's just shared. And he says, all this. Well, what's that? What's the all this that Matthew's talking about? Well, I believe the all this is referring to verse 1 of chapter 1 all the way to verse 21. Look at verse 1. He says, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Then he goes through all this list of people's names that I am no way going to try to pronounce. And you'd probably have a tough time trying to pronounce them too. But he gives this huge list, 42 generations, Matthew lists the genealogy of Jesus, right? So I believe Matthew is is referring to these 42 generations of people, names we can't even pronounce. All this would include the description of Mary, the teenage mom of Jesus. It includes the spirit of God being the one to form God as a baby in the womb of Mary. All this includes the description of Joseph, his adopted earthly father. The angel comes to Joseph. Joseph listens to the angel, and he hangs in there with Mary. That's the all this that Matthew's talking about. And he says, this all, that, that all this, it has a purpose. It has a purpose. That, that line of 42 generations, the teenage mom named Mary, the adopted dad, Joseph, it's all part of the plan. It's all part of the plan. There's a bigger purpose going on. And so the next question is, what is that purpose? Why would God come near? keeps going. He says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Let's stop there. So the list of 42 generations of people, the description of Mary being conceived or conceiving Jesus Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit, Joseph, all of that was to what? To fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. 
You see, all this is mentioned because Matthew is trying to communicate to us and to his readers that this is all happening to fulfill what the Lord had said. You see, that plan, the 42 generations, Mary, Joseph, the Spirit of God, the angel, all of that, it's all so God can make good on a 700-year-old promise. I can't even remember promises I made yesterday, let alone today. And God is making all this happen to make good on a 700-year-old promise. I mean, Matthew's telling us that God came near using people to bring himself near because God had a promise to keep. So what's the promise? We keep reading verse 23. Here's the promise that the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. That's the promise. That's the promise. I mean, do you see it? Do you see the promise that God is making good on? 700 years before the birth of Christ, God said that he would come near. And that he would come near so that he could be with us. I mean, this is it. All this is to fulfill God's promise of his presence with his people. I mean, this is why God came near. God came near so that God could be with us, so that God could be with you right now in this moment tonight. I mean, the heart of God is to always be with his people, always. Just read scripture, Genesis to Revelation. They will be my people. I will be, I'm going to come dwell with them. I mean, think about it. Who comes into the garden to walk with Adam and Eve? God is. What's he doing? He's coming to be with his people. How about um, the Israelites as they're walking through the wilderness, right? He leads them by a pillar of fire at night and cloud by day. And then the temple and the tabernacle, right? What's God do? He comes to be with his people. And if you go all the way to Revelation, we don't go up. He comes down. In the end, right? He says, I saw the, John saw, I saw this thing coming down out of heaven. Out of heaven. Why? Because God's like, I'm going to be with my people. I want to be with them. And God knows that on our own, we could never, ever come to him. And see, that's what religion is. Religion is just you and me trying to do all that we can to come to God on our own. And if that's how it was, then we would never have Christmas. If you and I could get to God by working hard, there'd be no need for Christmas. There'd be no need for Christ to come. But Christ came because he knew we couldn't come to him on our own. So he comes to us. That's love. That's love. I mean, this is the promise so that God could be with us. I mean, even in our sin, even in a, after having rejected him in the garden, after having rebelling against him, turning our back on him for the pleasures of sin and selfishness, God still came near because God wants to be with us. But the promise of his presence is possible only for those who trust Christ as the Savior from sin. Look at verse 21. The angel comes to Joseph and he says, hey, Joseph, I want you to hang in there with Mary because what, what's going on here is like really supernatural and I know odd, but just trust me on this one. And so he comes to Joseph and he says, hey, Joseph, 
Mary, in verse 21, he says, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Why the name Jesus? Because he's going to save his people from their sins. You see, the promise of God's presence with his people is possible because Jesus accomplished the mission. The mission to save us from our sins. You and I experience this promise in our lives through believing that Jesus is the Savior for our sins, that he's the rescuer of our souls, that he who is God came to die our death and our place to free us from our sin. Why? Because he wants us to be with him forever. Christmas is about presence. It's about his presence with us. And if you're in Christ tonight and you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you have that promise always. He is with you. And if you are not in Christ tonight, you can have that presence of God tonight with you by stopping trying to find and get to God on your own and stopping that and turning from your sin and receiving the grace of Jesus Christ that he's the Savior from your sin. And when you ask him to forgive you, he frees you from your sin and he, his presence, comes and lives inside you forever. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said, that Emmanuel would come, God with us. Why would he come near? He would come near so God could be with us. And as we try to get our heads and our hearts around this, there's some discoveries that we can make about God that leave us walking away with hope and encouragement tonight. You see, from God coming near, we discover that God uses people to bring himself near. That God uses people to make himself known. That God uses people to accomplish his plan. I'm reading this thing, why in the world would, would God inspire 42 generations? Why would he put that in there? I mean, why, why didn't he just come a different way? He did it in the Old Testament. He came all kinds of ways in the Old Testament. Why this way? I think one of the ways is because God wants to show, listen, I come near to people through you. And so Matthew tells us he uses this genealogy, 42 generations. There's Mary, there's Joseph. Didn't Jesus tell the disciples in Acts 1.8? He said, you will be my witnesses. You're the ones. You're going to take my message. You're going to represent me in the world. You're going to bring me near. I'm going to use you to bring me to the world. And Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, as the church, we've been given this ministry of reconciliation. We are Christ's ambassadors. God came near so that God could be with us, and we discover about God that God uses us to bring himself near to a watching world. If you were with us two weeks ago, Tim, at the conclusion of his of his message in the series on God We Trust, handed out a variety of values of dollars. Everyone that night received an envelope and it had money in it. And the purpose of you receiving that money was not for yourself. It was for you to take that gift of money and use it to make Christ known. And not long after that was done, I received an email. An email from someone who turned around and used that gift of money and as a result brought God near. Let me read you this email. She says, I wasn't sure who all to send this to, so I figured just send it to you. And you could spread it around. She says, the $10 Tim gave out on Saturday was 
put to use just a few short minutes ago. I just pulled into work downtown in Covington and was going inside the studio when I heard someone calling out to me. I turned and saw a woman crossing the street and could tell she needed some kind of help. I'm pretty wary of people downtown these days after a few run-ins that were less than stellar. But there was something about her that had me talking to her. So I turned off the alarm and came back outside to talk to her. She was looking for directions to a place that could help her out. Her daughter is sick, and she was going from church to food pantry to shelter to church, trying to find someone who could help her get $8 to pay for her six-year-old daughter's strep throat medication. She couldn't find anyone to help her. Her eyes were full of tears when she asked me if I knew of anywhere in the area that was open and could help her get the $8 she needed so she could go to Kroger to buy her daughter that medicine. She didn't ask me for money, just People are a place that could help. I could see in her eyes that she was sincere and not trying to play me, and I knew just looking at her that she was the one my $10 was meant for. I asked her if she had a Kroger she could get to, and she said yes, that she just needed the help to buy the medicine. She's been out of work but just got a job that starts up next week, and after that, she'll be able to have a regular paycheck. But in the meantime, her daughter was sick now, and she herself was cold, walking around in the sloshy rain and frustrated by the lack of help. So I had her wait while I popped back inside and came back out with the $10 bill. I handed it over. I told her it was for her and her daughter. She was surprised but moved, teary-eyed but smiling with relief. She thanked me before telling me a little more about what was going on with the little girl in her life. We parted ways after just a few short minutes, but I told her I'd be praying for her family today, and she thanked me again before moving down the street toward the Kroger. The thing about this is I was super late to work today. I was supposed to be here a couple hours ago, hunkered down inside the studio working on the computer. So as surprised as I am to say it, I'm thankful for waking up super tired and unmotivated and leaving late for work. I probably wouldn't have met her had I been on time. Anyway, just wanted to share that with you. God is good. God uses people to bring himself near. And I experienced that myself personally this week. It was, two, it was Wednesday morning, and I was out working out in the car, just making some calls, and I received a text from my boss, and he said, hey, can you meet me um, back at the office? And I said, sure. So I show up at the office at 11 o'clock, sit down, had really no idea what was coming or what this meeting was for, and he begins to proceed to tell me that because of the financial situation of the company, he can no longer afford to keep me as an employee. So basically, he was laying me off. So Wednesday morning, I was laid off from work. And I have to confess that in that moment, I went numb. I just went numb. I'd been doing this for three years. It's been a great job. I'm not faulting them in any way. But all these, those images, images of my kids, my wife, that part of being a man and a provider and having that stripped away from you, that's a very raw feeling, very empty feeling, very scary 
emotional feeling, and I tried to keep my emotions in check sitting there in the office, and I couldn't. Even my boss was weeping. I didn't know what to do. What could I do? So we finished, and I got in the car, and I called Andrea and started telling her and couldn't even finish the conversation. I just started, I couldn't control myself. I was just crying. And you know, a few people came, found out, and, and I saw God come near to me through his people in a time of heartache and hurt. Not long throughout the day, I received a voicemail from someone and I said, hey man, I'm just letting you know I found out, I'm praying for you. And that meant the world. You know, at, that, at those times, you don't really need to say anything, you just need to know people are there. And that was brilliant for me, I needed that. And then other, other things, emails and encouragement texts from God's people, and then the next day, another gentleman came over to the house and was just there. I was out, and he was just there, and he said, I'm not here to really tell you anything, man, but I'm just here to let you know we love you, and we're praying for you. We could have an honest talk, and honestly, still at times, there's that emotional, wow, okay, but yet God came near to me in a very real way, and he came near to me through his people, And we had the opportunity, another example is we had an opportunity to provide a meal for someone who's going through a difficult time, and she looked at me, and she said, you know what, we get our strength from you guys, meaning the church. You see, what we learn from God coming near is that God brings himself near, God makes himself known through people. And I believe God wants to use you and will use you and use me to make himself known. And I believe God wants to use us as a church to make himself known. Even when things seem very uncertain, God wants to make himself known. He wants to accomplish his plan. And God coming near reveals that God uses people to bring himself near. Another discovery sees from God coming near is this. God keeps his promises. I mean, come on, a 700-year-old promise? That God makes good on? I mean, think about this. If, just listen to, to me on this argument, okay? If God is willing to leave the glories of heaven, go through 42 generations of people, wrap himself in flesh, and come through the birth canal, all to make good on a 700-year-old promise so that he can be with those who've rejected him, then don't you think he's going to make good on all his promises? You bet. If he's willing to do that for me, and he's doing that, willing to do that for you, to rescue you from sin, to, so you can go from enemy to son or daughter of God, he will make good on all his promises for his people. Promises like, I will never leave you nor abandon you. He says, I am with you always in Matthew 28. Promises like, I'm a very present help in time of need. Promises like there's nothing that will ever separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. He's going to make good on that promise. Promises like I'm going to come again for you. Promises that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. And for me, this is the one I'm holding on to. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and make your request known to God. And his promises, when I do that, his peace will guard my heart. 
God will make good on his promises to me, and he will make good on his promises to you, and the confirmation of all that is Christmas. Christ being born. God making good on a 700-year-old promise. You can trust him. And a final discovery tonight for us is not only that God brings himself near through people, God keeps his promises, but that God's presence is with his people. It doesn't say God's presence is with all people. His presence is with his people. If you're not his, you cannot experience his presence. You cannot experience this promise. But you can. And that's why he came. I mean, you can become his people and his presence can be in your life and with you for life when you believe and trust Christ to save you from your sins. I mean, he said that. He said, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he's their Savior, what did he say? You will be saved. He will make good on that promise for you tonight. I promise you. I promise you. And if you have not trusted Jesus to forgive you of your sin, removing that barrier, then please do tonight. Simply turn from your sin, receive his grace, receive Christ, and just as he came 2,000 years ago, he will come into you. If you are his, if you are his tonight, then his presence is with you no matter what you're going through. And his presence is with me no matter what I'm going through. And that presence is real and powerful. Think about this. The presence that you and I have as his people is the same presence that walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. The presence with us is the same presence that was with Joseph in the prison. The same presence that led Israel by a pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day, that presence is with us. That presence that encountered Moses in the burning bush, that presence is with us as his people. That presence that said to Joshua, the new leader of Israel, that said to him, as I walked with Moses, I will walk with you, is with you tonight, is with me tonight as the church. And that same presence that was in those three guys, Rakshak and Benny or Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the fiery furnace, the fourth guy, that same presence, he's with us tonight. Do we believe that? Do we grasp that? Do I? It's not just a story of past. That's true. And the presence that was there in the Old Testament is a presence available for you and me through Christ. And that same presence that was with the disciples in the boat when the storm was raging. And notice he was in the boat when the storm was going on. Is with you and me in our storm. That same presence. You know, God coming near reveals that God's presence is with his people. Those transformed by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Church, God is with us. God is with us. So we, we will not fear. We, like the psalmist, can say, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are Emmanuel. You are with me. Church, 
God is with us. We shall not fear. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. God came near. Christmas, the birth of Christ, reveals that God uses people to bring himself near. God keeps his promises to you and to me tonight. God's presence is with his people. And if you haven't yet come to Christ, realize that you can't come to Christ on your own. He came to you. And trust Jesus tonight and his cross to set you free. And he will come to you and give you his presence forever. And that's a promise. And as we've already discovered, that's a promise he will make good on. You know, God came near so God could be with us. And maybe you're here tonight, and like the writer of Psalm 23, you find yourself walking through your own valley. For him, it was the valley of the shadow of death. Maybe for you, it's the valley of the shadow of divorce. Maybe for you, it's the valley of the shadow of disappointment or a broken promise or wayward children. Or maybe it's the valley of the shadow of loneliness or unemployment or sickness or heartache or uncertainty. Let us look to the God who came near. And when you and I look to him, we too can say like the psalmist, we will fear no evil because you, God, are with us. You, God, are with me. Christmas is about presence, his presence. God came near. He came to us because we could never come to him That's grace. And God came near. His grace came near. That's love. That's Christmas. God came so that he could be with us. Listen, this is why the birth of Jesus Christ came about. God came near. Church, God is with us. God is with us. God is with you. He's with you. God, thank you for this promise tonight. God, I pray that you would allow us as a church, allow us as individuals to truly grasp the magnitude of that truth of you coming near. And God, I just pray that if there's people here tonight without Christ, that they would turn from their sin, call on you, and receive your forgiveness and receive your presence forever. I'm going to ask you to stand. Just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. And maybe you're here tonight and you say, you know what, Mark? I do not have the presence of God in me, with me. But tonight I am... I'm turning from my sin and I'm giving my life to Christ and I'm receiving his forgiveness and I'm receiving his presence forever. If that's you tonight, would you just, I just want to pray for you. I won't say anything out loud. I just want to pray for you. Would you just put your hand up so we can celebrate that tonight Christ has come in you? Is there anybody like that? Or maybe tonight you say, Mark, I'm living in an uncertain time. And I just need that promise of God with us. Would you pray for me tonight? Anybody like that? Just put your hand up. Yes. Amen. God, we call out to you. And we thank you that the promise of your presence for your people is always.
always, is always. And that your faithfulness endures throughout all generations. And that never, ever once have you or will you let your people go. Never once. And so, Lord God, we thank you that you came to us. We thank you for being with us. We thank you that you are with us now, right now.